recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Live from the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying episode 28. Two, eight. I don't even know how you get to 28 episodes doing what we do, but we're you, doing it again. You do the first 27. Oh, repetition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Killing it. You know what we're going to do then, since we're all about repetition? Mm-hmm. We're going to kick off the episode talking about what we've been playing, hobbying, purchasing. Maybe a little Kickstarter check-in for the Bodfather himself, the Patreon of all Patreons. Patreon, put that down. (laughs) Uh, Then we're going to get into our 2019 hobby and gaming goals. It's good to have goals. It is. want to make sure they're attainable. Smart goals? Realistic. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) And then uh, we're going to have a brief interview with our intern, intern at basementofdeath.com, a.k.a. Stanley, about his experience uh, over the last few months of being a Dungeons & Dragons newbie. Um, Just kind of pick his brain on his thoughts coming into the the hobby uh, a little bit later than some of us when we look around the microphones and we've got probably 75 years of... (laughs) D&D experience on and off between the yeah. three of us. Uh, it, sometimes I think it's important to, to focus on what a new player sees and experiences and feels. And we'll have a little uh, little banter about Dungeons and & Dragons and, and that element of uh, tabletop role-playing games. And then we will wrap things up with a Play It or Slay It review of Heroes of Blackreach, a uh, Warhammer 40,000 board game. Um, is that a Fantasy Flight? Uh, no, uh, Aiello, I think, oh. is the, and Pig Head, uh, Pig, or whatever, yeah. we'll, we'll get Great. it right. We'll get we'll, it right. Uh, when, we, when we do our Play It or Slay It review, we'll give you all the details, but we will uh, talk about Heroes of Blackreach, uh, and in true Play It or Slay It faction, I'm sure we'll have some differing opinions, and um, I'll let you know what we think, and if it's worth the, the price of admission. All right, so without further ado, when you are playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. We always believe in staying hydrated, mm-hmm. and beer is 80% water, so what are we drinking tonight with our 80% water? I have a Lakefront Brewery East Side Dark Lager. Lakefront Brewery, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is very delicious, and I like it a lot. I think... One of you brought it over. I'm not sure which. Um, maybe me. Maybe you. All right. But yeah, it was just hanging out in there. It was calling to me. It said, drink me. And I said, okay. Yeah, it's winter. You should drink. I don't know. Yeah, it's the time drink. to drink dark beer. Right. Yeah. It's dark outside. Drink dark beer. Works out. Excellent. What, how about you, Troy? Uh, I'm going light. It's uh, New Year time for the uh, 
new fitness kicks. So I'm trying to I kind of give up beer for a couple months, at least not until I'll probably drink it on Sundays. I'm kind of do like do like one cheat day. So I might, but so tonight that means I'm drinking White Claw, hard seltzer, ruby grapefruit, mm. which supposedly has five percent alcohol. They might be lying. No, that's probably right. Maybe. Do you think it's more or less? Uh, less. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the best way to drink that stuff is with vodka. Right. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep. I, and I did not mix it. Maybe that's <laughs> I need to like. All right. Tyson, what do you got? I'm, I got a Corona uh, in honor of our special guest tonight. Corona is for family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. going to try to get in his mindset before we have him on. Beautiful. All right. What are we playing? Um, recently, we did a lot of playing. We had a uh, game day, a Bodfather birthday bash at the Basement of Death uh, Central, the original. Um, we had three tables going of Age of Sigmar. Do we want to talk a little bit about our games? I know. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, I, Ty, thanks for playing me with his three zombie dragons of death uh, army <laughs> list. And putting up with me, always getting back into the... Since I play like Age of Sigmar once a month-ish or maybe, which is better than I was doing before. But, um, and then as I'm hosting, I always feel bad because I'm not like 100% concentrated on the game. So our game went a little long. It was fun. You took care of business pretty much. Yeah, that that was my first time out with that list. And the, the list kind of played itself. Um Prince Four Dry and two Vampire Lords and Zombie Dragon, thirty Grim Gas Reapers, and then three tens of Chain Rasps. So a lot of ghosts to occupy space, and the three Zombie Dragon Vampire Lords, in essence, with Legion of Blood abilities and stuff, just to mow through anything they hit. And they they did. I mean, I kind of denied a flank and then swept in and just kind of. Yeah, I killed one. I did not do well. I did not have a good game though. And then I think I at one point did throw a die. I was so much. <laughs> you did. Throw. I did roll a lot of ones at just yeah. the wrong moments to make it. I, I felt like I could have gave it a little bit of a. I didn't. I had no illusions of actually winning, but I'm like, I think I can like do some work, and I'm like, no, no, can't do that. Yeah, and then uh, Josh, your your game one. Who who did you play, and how'd that go? I played Paul, friend of the show. Um, he had his Stormcast. Um, I brought Beast Claw with um, uh, a Stonehorn and three Thunder Tusks, so throwing a lot of snowballs around. Um, got off a couple good charges with the Stonehorn, and that, you know, coupled with the snowballs, it was it was kind of uh, it started to get lopsided, part like halfway through. Yeah, that that can be a tough matchup in in general for Stormcast. Um, mm-hmm. High mortal wound output generally is is a good way to deal with the uh, relatively durable Stormcast armor saves. Right. Um, and then uh, his his list, from what I recall, wasn't truly optimized either. It was testing a few right. different things, and yeah, uh, he was trying to help out. with some more ballistas, and yeah, for sure to focus the list. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think we both had fun though, so I don't, I don't think it was a feel bad experience, but 
Uh, playing you is never a feel bad experience. You're, well, you're a joy. To, you're a true pleasure. It, yeah, try to make it fun. That's why I, I'm worried. I'm going to have a tough time repeating for best sport. Uh, <laughs> no. Bruce City with, with Troy and Josh in the field. At the nice. Bruce City brawl. Cool. And then my second game, and Bryce came down. Really thank Bryce he for did. driving in the Through snow. Through the snowstorm. It ended up being, yeah, it was just a little weird. There was Rain, some light snow, snow mix, that yeah. came up and. Uh, and he came down so it was cool to have him come down um and then i played him in the second game uh, and had a blast um i think he went a little easy on me um although he'll say he played it straight um but i really appreciate it. he did help there were times when i'm like need to make some strategic decisions and he was very helpful and like well if you do this it's probably better than if you do that and so and uh, and i think i ended up sneaking out the win against him but I think he was just like he knew it was my birthday, so yeah. And his dice actually were kind of like my dice the first game. They did not cooperate. Um, he was not. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't. They did some work, but not at the optimal time. They could, yeah, they could. And then uh, round two, Josh had to leave, kind of a, an emergency. So John, uh, John Weiss, Troy's brother, stepped in to take over, playing his second game of AOS. And he got thrown to the wolves because he had to play me in my ridiculous death list. I think it was just more of a play test because we were like, I think yeah. Ty's actually playing himself. So he'll actually like battle harden his own list. Against, yeah, I was, against I was telling John what to do. I lined up all my Reapers in a row and let him charge in and shoot him down and then showed him what death does by bringing the entire unit of 30 back in the bottom <laughs> of turn one. And then it was over after two turns and I felt kind of bad, but kind of going through the rules and the faces and rolling some dice uh so and then um yeah tom was there and tom and paul i think played a game and bryce and tom played stormcast or siren draws in round one so there was there was some a lot of dice thrown and uh a good time had by all and we all got to take home a uh little um measuring there was, uh it was prize support we had yeah. a uh yeah a little three inch combat gauge, combat gauge with yeah. the basement of death 3d printed by uh troy himself and i think when we get to the hobby section we'll talk a little bit more about your foray in the 3d printing yeah my, my crazy 3d printing yeah that was fun <laughs> <laughs> uh then we did another group game night we were just getting together all the time now like every other week um for at least the last two weeks and we played dinosaur island with uh dan uh stormcaller dan from cubic shenanigans podcast came over and uh played uh dinosaur island from panasaurus <laughs> games designed I by finally so this is the game that I, I was kickstarted and then it got lost in the mail because i never paid shipping and <laughs> Uh, and it arrived and then I, it was sitting on i hadn't got a chance to play it and i literally hadn't even un, uh, punched out the things until the night before we were playing whenever that friday was i'm like oh you know what i don't even think i've ever like like punched it out because what's funny is because i did play it on tabletopia way back sure so in my mind i'm like oh yeah i had played it and i'm like oh no i didn't actually play ever play the physical game <laughs> yeah so, so so in hindsight we're, we're gonna save our play experience from dinosaur island for a future episode um because after playing the game we realized we had missed a key rule uh to generate income from the guest to your park and without generating income we were playing it kind of on hard mode we have affectionately titled that version of play the uh dinosaur island national parks edition um <laughs> 
and uh, it it made for a it still is fun and it was interesting, but we'll certainly talk about it and give it a full run through and review uh, in a future episode once we get a chance to run it back with all of the rules uh, in yeah. in use. Well, I think we'll publish. We may publish these as a true variant. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll catch on. Maybe we've started something with uh, the here's the hard mode version. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dinosaur Island, uh, that was a fun one. And then also group play, Dungeons and Dragons. We've been playing almost weekly sessions uh, recently of our Tomb of Annihilation. Um, got Paul's new character involved since last time poor Merrick uh, was shredded by Frost Giant Axes. And I, the only thing from that session that I remember, other than it was a blast, it was right when we were getting started. Everyone was sad and drinking in the end or in the, the tavern and his bard performed and his performance check when he rolled the dice because in roll 20 it gives you two rolls in case you have advantage he rolled double crits on a performance check so it was the greatest musical performance since you know Jimi hendrix played the star spangled banner at woodstock <laughs> it was um the best live music anyone had ever heard and that was a pretty incredible uh performance yeah. But um, it was a fun session. Then you guys murdered goblin babies and innocents and destroyed a village's entire way of life. Like a rampaging pack of murder hobos. And, and we got a, a guardian. Oh, that's right. And we found the big guy. Yeah. Vorn, the shield guardian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, at some point he's going to turn on us and kill somebody. If I play my cards right. <laughs> I'm a little worried. <laughs> All right. Josh, you have a handful of games here uh, that I believe you've been playing. Yeah. Uh, run through the... So um, <clears throat> I was tasked with um, our, our small group of neighborhood folk um, usually do like a kid's New Year's. Uh, you know, we let them stay up till like nine o'clock and we do a countdown or whatever. Um, but like every hour kind of do some fun activities and whatever. And in between... The adults kind of hang out and drink, and um, I was tasked with bringing games this year. So I brought The Mind, because it was fresh in my mind from our last episode. Uh, I brought Get Bit um, from Mayday Games, uh, which I think was bought out by somebody else. But anyway, I digress. And then Pooh, um, which is just a silly card game of monkeys throwing poo at each other. Um, which, ironically, uh, I saw at our local... Our friendly local game store, uh, Game Universe. Uh, some people were playing it this weekend, and I was like, "Hey, I know that game," and I talked to them about it for a little bit. And they're like, "Yeah, it's just silly fun." And the uh, adult that was playing with them all was like, "This is serious business. We're throwing poo at each other." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's nice." But um, you know, it was fun. Uh, kids. It was a bunch of kids and a couple adults playing, so it was cool to see. Uh, you know, the kids learning a new game and, and stuff. So a lot of fun, a lot of games played. Uh, and I think I might have sold two copies of The Mind. Two of the guys <laughs> at uh, the New Year's party were, were like, yes, this is awesome. I'm totally buying this. And I, I kind of told them, you know, you can play like no talking at all. Or you can kind of play just a little bit of table talk and... And they liked the just just talk a little bit variation. So yeah, and then somebody at work also had told me they picked it up after we had played it there too. So I nice. I still haven't picked it up. I had fun with it, and I changed my player to slave, but I'm not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. 
I just play it. I'm not going to buy it. We should add buy it to play it, slay it. <laughs> should be play it, slay it, buy it. We don't have that on our t-shirts. <laughs> what I realized, too, is GitBit's kind of similar to the mind where you're playing against each other, right? You're not playing cooperatively, but you're trying to play cards that the other person isn't, you know, to try to get you know farther up in the in the thing so it i I thought that was sort of interesting they're like oh did you bring these because they're like Like kind of easy themey games and i'm like nope didn't even think about that (laughs) at all at all so it was just a small you know form factor and i could throw it in a bag that was that was it so cool um i played a new game hadn't played before so a couple months ago there was an extra life event at 42 alehouse um, that Forge, so Jen's kind of organization, had put on fundraiser, and uh, Landon played a game there with some other kids called Dice City. So Dice City is a it's kind of a dice drafting uh, game in which you're building a city. So you have five dice of different colors and row, rows that have locations: mines, quarries, lumber mills, ways to generate victory points. You roll your dice and put them in the color row and the number that corresponds. Then you can either use the action that you're on or spend a dice to move another dice to an adjacent space. You accumulate resources to then buy upgrades that you put on those spaces. So it's kind of like randomness uh, in where you are, but you have some ability to manipulate. And then at the end, you're tailing up victory points because you're either trading in goods for trade ships, which earn you victory points, purchasing upgraded buildings, or there's military abilities where you can attack opponents um, or uh, bandits and earn victory points. So it's it's a fun game, simple enough. There's not a not a significant amount of reading. There's some, you know, what the actions are, but so it's accessible for kids. I think Alderac uh, Entertainment released it. Um, I don't know when, but it was relatively low price point and he had he had had fun with it so we bought it for christmas and then got it out the other night it's like this isn't bad it reminded me a little bit of machi koro and how you're building and then rolling but Mm -hmm. more tactical choice and selection than just roll the one dice or the two dice and do what it says kind of say it's a little more advanced than machi koro but similar concept and roll your dice assign take your actions so it's dice city all right, let's get into hobby. So, Josh, what is on your bench? Well, so I found these Chaos Warriors on eBay. Um, just random happenstance. I think I might have talked about it in the last episode. Um, but the guy had lopped off the horns on the on the helmets and put it put these uh, put it <laughs> put these uh, crested kind of. Uh, uh, plumes on down the middle um so it kind of looks like a roman helmet i guess or whatever um and he had just sprayed them bronze and that was it and no bases no nothing just bronze crested helm dudes and i was like those look really cool like i, I the third party i don't know where the little crests come from but um so i've been adding some red and adding some oxide to kind of make the the bronze look a little um, bronzier, bronzier, yeah, a uh, little little oxidized or whatever, and uh, yeah, just touching some things up and making the cloaks look good and and that sort of thing. So uh, maybe about halfway done, uh, but yeah, they're starting to take shape. 
bought some bases because they didn't come with bases. So, yeah, I'm liking them. They're they're looking cool. Can never have too many Chaos Warriors. True. I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see what you think once you get them on the table. Yeah. Slaves to Darkness need some love right now. Yeah. I mean, they're not uh, they're not the most amazing unit in, in the world, but uh, they. Their chaos yeah. battle line, right? Yeah, and they're gonna look cool with their crested homes. You got it. I like it. Yep. So find a buff. That's all. What AOS is right. Yep. There's got to be something that something to buff them up, right? Plague Touch Warband. There you go. All right. Sweet. So we got Chaos Warriors with third party. I think that's Cyborg. It might be Cyborg. I'm. I'm honestly not sure. It, it, all it said was third party in the <laughs> in the eBay description, and that was it. Like literally, we'll, he had. We'll nothing. track him down. Yeah. They look cool, though. I like them. What we uh, what we need to do, and I know I've seen this from a few people, is start putting up some pictures of all this hobby that we talk about mm-hmm. and see what you know. Use the Facebook and the Twitter. Um, so we'll have to have a photography day and show some of our work in progress stuff, um, and then ask you guys out there listening uh, to send you know tag your stuff and, and add it in. Because uh, we always talk about it, but I don't, I don't know. We do a. I know yep. I do an awful job of of showing what <laughs> yeah, what it, yep. what I've got. Um, so we'll definitely make that a, a New Year's resolution for the the show in general. Um, speaking of work in progress, though, I I think I smell burning plastic and I hear across town uh, <laughs> Troy's basement. What what are you working on? Um, so I'm not working, but the 3D printer's been working <laughs> for the last week as much. Uh, yeah, more than a week uh, on the printed sceneries, um, Demon Tower. Um, it's a tower, uh, 3D print. It's got about, I don't know how many pieces are it's in, but I'm in about 50 plus hours of printing so far, and I have two pieces left. There's one printing awesome. right now that should be done maybe by the time we're done recording tonight, uh, and then I'll throw another one in the last piece to go overnight and so tomorrow morning it should all be and it's pretty incredible i don't know it's almost it's got to be almost like 12 inches tall um and the the detail is pretty cool i came out it was just miss more of like all right i'm going to try this to see what it looks like and i'm actually really um, i'm excited for like what else we can do right and just kind of keep building up now again that's kind of the downside is like the amount of effort and time you're kind of not time like i'm putting in it's just kind of Paying attention, making sure, you know, these three or four hour prints for each piece and then making sure you're swapping it out and letting it print overnight. And then you feel guilty anytime the printer's sitting there not doing anything. He's like, it could be printing. Um, <laughs> and I even, I, I won't even, I don't know if I should admit it. I, I woke up last night just kind of like, and I'm like, oh, and I looked at my watch and I'm like, oh, it's like 1230. I'm like, I wonder if that piece is done. And so I get out of bed and, and go down in the basement and it's at like 96%. And I'm like, I'm not going to. And the problem is this is like a four-hour print. So even that 5% was another. I'm like, I'm not staying up for 15 more minutes than whatever. Um, but I, I'm worried like if I'm starting to set my alarm to like, oh, if I wake up at 4 a.m. and go swap out and get the next. So make sure that I'm using every minute of every oh, day to, to print. I'm a little worried about it. If you guys hear me doing that, um, then you maybe a time for an intervention well, or something. It's funny because it reminds me when... Josh, when you're doing some of the Hearst Art stuff where you're cycling through the molds, trying to get as many runs as you can, yeah. batching. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was kind of thinking that same thing. Yeah, yeah you guys, you, I need I need to automate. That's what this tells me. <laughs> I need to automate my process. All right, so when you're not working with uh, filament, you're working with magnets? Yeah, I kind of realized I really, I don't like magnetizing because I'm not really good at it. I don't know if it's because I don't like have the right tool set or whatever or the drills, but it's like, it's because like, I'm like doing assembly, great progress go along and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I really should magnetize this. And it like grinds me to a halt. Cause now it's going to take me, you know, twice as long as it's taking me to assemble all the, and what I'm working on is these Warhound Titans that I've been working on forever. Um, and I got them mostly, but now I'm like, I really should magnetize the weapons and everything. And so, you know yeah. what I learned about magnetizing when I was doing a Deathwing army, you just buy more models. Well, <laughs> in the end, right. And in the end, that's why I'm like, is this really worth it? I don't know because it just, feels like you should do it. And I'm like, I don't need, know. Do I really going to magnetize this thing? You, you want to have a missile launcher, a multi melter, and a heavy flamer? Just buy three. Buy three sets and then yeah. pull the thing you need. Or then bits. Then. Like bits on eBay is another easy way to make more from less. Yeah, but then I still got to like swap them out. I have to paint more. If I have four of them yeah. and I only use two. Think about all that time you'd save. I, building should, painting could, a maybe i should just warhound instead of magnetizing yeah. or i'm gonna make or i just need to outsource and have john do all my magnetizing he does much better so hey, so tried. the warhound titans are close I, landmine i tried man i tried to get another <laughs> warhound order for you <laughs> well that still may happen who knows but <laughs> cool um so i for a long time have thought that the quality of paint doesn't matter because i'm not a good painter like i i thought it's not going to matter what kind of paint i use i'm not a good enough artist to even realize a difference well i started using scale 75 uh paint i also started using a wet palette for the first time i used to just put it on like a little plastic painter's palette now i made a homemade you know i got my sponge i got my parchment paper uh put dollop paint on there wow just wow the the way it flows off the brush the thin like i don't have to worry about adding any other water i don't have to you know thin my paint it the wet palette in the scale 75 it citadel paints when i use them in other paints i get it down in like the the bottom of the brush where it gums up around the you know the edge this i rinse every so often no problems it's just a fantastic um paint I think gradually I'll probably try to shift most of my base coating at least, maybe highlights everything to scale 75. And, um, but that, that combo of that paint and the wet palette and then finding competitionminis.com to order from the <laughs> East coast. Uh, he sells all the scale 75 stuff for like $5 for each uh, dropper yeah. bottle of paint. And if you do a $50 order, he ships it free. Uh, they, I say he, like I know him, um, but they're out of Maryland or Virginia. I ordered Thursday night. I had it Monday free shipping. That's awesome. So, um, just it's, it's changed my whole painting is no longer a hassle. Like I'm actually enjoying putting this paint on, messing with the different colors and getting uh, some really good tones, um, with the, uh, with the colors. That's really cool. So do you think it's 
Well, it sounds like the paint is really good, and but is there also like the wet palette? Because I think that like you, people don't know, yeah. like if you don't use a wet palette, you don't realize it's like when you're using oh, a palette, man. how fast your paint's drying. Yeah. You don't realize like you keep using it and it's like half dry, and you're, so it's much, you know, it's thicker, so, yeah. and then you run into it without really realizing. I'm, it. I'm out of the Citadel pot. I'll take like a brushful or two and put it on there, and then you know just take take the brush, rinse it off, put it back in. I can get, you know, a couple models before I even need to add another like brushful of paint to the wet palette, and I'm not adding any water. Um, the wet palette is adding enough to thin the paints down, um, so that's that's a big help too. I'm finding it easier with the Citadel paint, but then when I do like a Citadel paint and I switch back to do like a base coat with the Scale 75, there there's a, a noticeable difference in the application of that paint and. I always thought I'm too heavy handed to even realize this. And maybe it's just, you know, you spend enough hours of painting that eventually you start to change your own like style. But, um, it, it's been a great experience the last, last couple mm-hmm. weeks using the, the combination mm-hmm. of the two things. Cool. And then, uh, speaking of the last week or two, I started this year on January 1st, the hobby journal. So I had an old, uh, blank, it's like a star Wars, you know, notebook journal. Um, and I just put the date, I made four columns, date, army, task, time. And I'm logging the day. If it's my Stormcast or my Deepkin or my death, whatever the, the army is, what I accomplish and how long it took me in minutes. So like I do base coat, five sequiturs, uh, armor, turquoise, you know, so I kind of remember specifically 60 minutes, uh, put together, you know, 10 grave guard, 45 mm-hmm. minute, whatever it is. So I'm keeping a log and I've, I've done that yeah. each of the last, uh, eight days now. So kind of, uh, I want to see at year end if, if I stick with it yeah. and you should like take a picture each week one day a week and tweet it out (laughs) so people can see how slow i am at painting (laughs) you spent 16 hours on five models and you're barely halfway no judgment there's no judgment and there's never judgment on the internet no no (laughs) no so yeah that's that's hobby um let's let's keep the train rolling kickstarter uh i have backed nothing and i'm expecting nothing for a while so troy so I have this giant black box of the game called Nemesis, which is kind of the aliens. If you don't think about it, that's really, it's kind of one of these space in space aliens come out and attack you. Um, board games, heavy miniatures, some really cool stuff. All I've done was crack it open, kind of rearranged it, looked at it. Um, and then it, it's kind of funny. It's the first game that it came with. I don't know if they said extra stuff, it has a little stand so I can actually put the box up vertically as like a display. <laughs> so that's what I have. So if I never play the game, it just is displayed really nice with this really pretty box <laughs> and it's monstrous. It's really cool. Um, so that's where I have it now. I, I think in the future when we get it and I actually get it out on the table, we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, it's, it was one of these huge, it's um, who's the group. All, is that Awaken Realms? Awaken Realms. Yeah. I'm like, it's yeah. With an Awaken Realms. So, um looks looks pretty interesting we'll get it to table and see if it's uh see if i keep it or if i play it once and sell it like many other kickstarters <laughs> <laughs> well the guys from uh 
Homestar Runner uh, sent out a an update about their game. Um, and for those unfamiliar, HomestarRunner.com is uh, like kind of a web um, cartoon. Um, it's like a whole little weird world, and it's I don't know. It was it was kind of big back when Ty and I were in college, and uh, maybe even before that. I don't even remember. But anyway. Um, yeah, so I backed it just out of nostalgia, and so they just shot an update of some of their mini prototypes and, and things, and, and they're getting really close, I guess, to, um, fulfilling, uh, at least large chunks of that game, so, uh, should be, I don't know, they didn't really give a date yet, so, but, um, it, everything looks really cool, hopefully the gameplay holds up, um, is that at least sort of fun? Uh, they had a, uh, a live demo of the game with um, Lucky Yates uh, from Archer fame and other things. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I didn't, wasn't able to see it, but uh, I'm hoping maybe they have it recorded somewhere. But anyway, um, I, I thought that was sort of interesting. But... Anyway, um, quick update from Homestar Runner, the game. Cool. And the last Kickstarter update I have is, I talked a little, about, a little bit about, it's the, the printed sceneries they did to Kickstarter for, um, this is all the 3D models for, and it was dwarves, elves, and demons, because they did stuff for each one of those. Um, I got in on the elves and demons um, ones. And what's really cool is, like, the end of that Kickstarter was November. He delivered the initial... Um, you know, models for that stuff in December at the end of December already. He was starting to send out emails. Now he's still doing some stretch goals and things that they're building that they'll kind of add on to it. Um, but that's where this the thing that I've been printing for the last week is basically came out of that. Um, and then this Elven stuff looks really, really cool. I'm so happy that you backed this. Um, I'm so I'm going to commission you. I just yeah. I raised my hands in triumph because uh, <laughs> there's some terrain in there that's just incredible, and I'll I'll probably be like, hey Troy, you want to make hundreds of dollars off me? Yeah, and I'll see. Um, I'm probably going to next experiment will probably be one of the elf buildings that they they have in there to see with that. But uh, it's just really again maybe like Nemesis, which I waited a year and a half for or whatever it was. Um, and then these, this one, which was like, oh, it's done, and here's your stuff, right? <laughs> really kind of cool. Now, it's going to take me a year to actually ever print these things to get them out, but <laughs> um, but it's cool to have. And again, I've talked it over. Um, if you're looking for kind of 3D model stuff, the the stuff that Printed Scenery and Matt down there in uh, New Zealand does is, is pretty amazing. It's awesome. All right. Well, that is it for a Kickstarter recap where we're spending our money. Uh, just a few other news things coming down the pipeline. Um, uh, one one thing I saw real recent is Warhammer Forty Thousand Facebook had an image of it looked like a pop figurine sized Space Marine, and it said "Coming soon, the shelves near you" or something or shelves near you, uh, and announced a partnership with Funko, the company that makes pop figurines for uh warhammer 40,000 themed pop figures now um pop figures are highly collectible it's crazy when you look at funko and uh where that company's come from and what they do there's a netflix on uh, a netflix documentary on funko and it's pretty cool <laughs> just to see that company's rise and they're everywhere now comic-con exclusives and licensing with just about every right pop culture uh franchise movie tv show and now gaming 
um, with Warhammer 40k. So hopefully we'll see some images soon. No idea when that's coming. It was just teased um, with the uh, Warhammer 40,000 uh, Facebook page and Twitter. Um, but if pop figures are your thing and display shelves are your thing, it'll be another collectible item to uh, probably try to pick up quick because I'm guessing it'll be a relatively limited um, run. And um, a, a couple expansions that uh, I saw out there. Uh, one for Terraforming Mars Colonies. Um, it adds the outer solar system, some colony tiles where you can build colonies and um, send your trade fleets and some new cards and corporations and things. So adds a bunch of cool stuff for uh, a fun game that no. we like to play. Is that just going straight to stores or is that a Kickstarter? Oh, that, I, I believe that was just a... a straight to stores okay. and online and stuff so um cool. I, I yeah i didn't see a kickstarter for that so i just yeah i wasn't sure oh sure yeah yeah um and then also a fun game that we like to play uh this war of mine um adds a depressing descent into <laughs> where the human soul goes when everyone around you is starving and dying right yep. if you want to cry at the end of a game we'll call it fun Right, but it's depressing. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Some but people it's, like yeah. some people <laughs> like that. Um, so this war of mine, tales from the ruined city. So it adds new scenarios. It adds uh, sewer mechanics, some uh, farmers, and a bunch of additional miniatures and new cards and um, yeah, so a lot of fun there. So I, I'm interested to see what because things weren't bad enough. Because yeah, things it, were bad enough, it, yeah. now you can go into the sewer, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, interested to see what what that adds. And um, uh, so far, it's gotten some good reviews for folks that got it early and stuff. So, Very cool. Expansions are always a, a fun way to uh, get an old game back on the table. Right. Um, all right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, freshen up, uh, you know, let our voices take a, a brief respite from uh, all the fun we've been having. When we get back, we're going to have our intern uh, join us. We're going to put them through the paces with a little bit of uh, question and answer on Dungeons and & Dragons and what it's like to be a new player experiencing D&D uh, in, a, in a, you know, today's day and age for the very first time. So hang in there. We'll be right back with uh, the intern and we'll talk about some Dungeons & Dragons. All right, here we are back in studio. We have a very special guest joining us, uh, thanks to the internet, from a remote location somewhere in Siberia, our intern. Uh, so thank you for joining us, intern. We appreciate all of the work you do for the show. And uh, we thought we would bring you in to talk a little bit about Dungeons & Dragons. Now, the rest of the world may not know that you are relatively new. By no means are you a... Uh, you know, very first session, but you've had a few under your belt now, and uh, we just wanted to talk about the hobby and tabletop role-playing games from the perspective of somebody that's new entering that space. Um, so without, you know, much further preamble, we thought we'd have a, a relatively organic discussion about kind of your thoughts and feelings, and I'll hand it off to Troy to kind of be our, our moderator here in the, uh, the inn at the end of the Basement of Death, where our adventure begins. Cool. Thanks, Ty. So I'm going to go back and forth a little bit to get, we're going to 
kind of pick the brain of, of the intern here. And then I'm also going to throw some stuff over to Ty to kind of get his perspective uh, as a GM, like what are things he maybe do differently when you have an, a newer D&D player bringing somebody new in the group. So, and hopefully it's some good advice again for as D&D takes off here, right? Everybody's kind of exploding as we see all the critical role and all these different things that a lot of new people are getting into the hobby and, and just hopefully some, maybe some tips and some things that people can take away for, for how to bring in the, you know, the people that yeah, maybe aren't as familiar with it. Um, and to make it an uh, enjoyable and, and successful experience that they want to keep coming back. So, uh, so in turn, the first thing is maybe you can give kind of a little background around your gaming background because that you've been in games and everything. I think uh, you know experienced, um, and then how that kind of relates to to the to the role playing experience. Maybe what did you have any role playing experience prior to getting involved with the D and D game? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, first, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a little late here in Antarctica. Is that where I'm from? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, my t- my gaming experience, I I played a lot of board games growing up. I I didn't really do any tabletop games with my family, but my friends and I would play Risk all the time, and we would we would make up our own rules for Risk. We would we would get like six maps and make this huge 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 layout on my friend's dining room floor and we would have like 10 sets of of tokens and we'd all like have these giant armies and we'd make up our own risk games all the time so that's kind of kind of like what we did as kids uh i was from a smaller town that didn't really have a place where you know the community went to game and things like that so other than the games that we knew we didn't have much much exposure to anything else so uh, then I got I got sucked in, sucked into the world of video games. I played a lot of World of Warcraft in my high school and college days. So that was that was the closest thing I had to like a a role playing experience. Not much of one, I guess, but you know you get really into your character. Um, and then I became obsessed with miniature wargaming, <laughs> as I think everyone here is, and. Uh, I played a lot of played a lot of that. Painted a lot of armies, and uh, I, I told Ty I really, really wanted to play D anD. d And I, I he would talk about it all the time. I hear you guys talk about it on the podcast, and I, I just it's something I always wanted to do. And I I didn't really have, like I said, the exposure to it growing up, or really at any other point in my life. So I was I kept pestering him, and finally. Uh, he agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know how long you actually pestered them. Yeah, so, I'm sure it was a hard sell. So I'm going to throw it to Ty based on that. So what was your kind of approach when you kind of had this idea of, um, you know, we had the intern, we had a couple other newer players uh, looking to bring it in. Um, what was kind of your approach to like, hey, I'm going to do this game for these new new players? Um, yeah, so so when you're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, what what helps is Fifth Edition is so accessible in general. It's a game that lends itself very well to many different experience levels. So a lot of it comes from the system and the mechanics being efficient and effective in in their design and how they operate. By the Fifth Edition, you've had so many different you know variations and rules. They've really found a product that is is accessible at its core, um, and when the intern and I were talking in a in a bar at an Age of Sigmar tournament, and a few others were there, I kind of had the idea of starting a new campaign. And with two brand new players uh, to Dungeons and Dragons, I wanted to run something kind of out of the book 
So I looked for modules that made sense because that helps you just focus on everything's there. You can focus on the experience and delivering the content to your players. So I think the the best thing to do too is have a couple of session zeros where you kind of talk about um, we we're playing online. So that's the other thing is not only was it Dungeons and Dragons first exposure, it was Roll20 and that, uh, that portal into the game. So taking some time just to show the mechanics, how that works, how the character sheet the uh um they have the index of all the fifth ed rules that you can drop and plug and play so you just have to be mindful that it's something new for somebody and kind of be willing to answer the questions that are there show them a little you can't show them 300 pages of the player's handbook and expect it to be absorbed at once so it's kind of where questions come up and um that accessibility of the tools you use demonstrating that before you really dive into to play cool um and so intern did you have an idea of like what your character class was or what you wanted to do when you do character creation or did kind of ty walk you through that uh, i kind of i kind of had like a rough idea uh, obviously in the fantasy setting there's like the the standard kind of characters and i i always liked playing a playing a hunter type character so i i kind of knew that was what i wanted to do i think i went back and forth a little bit between hunter and rogue but the hunter just seemed like like the, the thing i wanted to do cool and, and so ty how did you kind of walk them through the character creation yeah so so kind of by the description ranger was really the the class that i think made the most hunter. sense and oh boy <laughs> <laughs> like i said a lot of wow in my <laughs> it's all right we can call you yeah. a hunter you don't have to be a ranger i'm not gonna assume your character class uh naming convention um but sat down showed the roll 20 kind of um sections that address here's what you do you know, hit dice, the skills, and kind of just went through each section of the character sheet, the ability scores, a brief description of, you know, strength is going to impact your damage up close, dexterity is going to impact your um, ability to hit things with a ranged weapon, and kind of just those components going through, uh, showing a little bit at a time, understanding that, you know, character creation is just getting your template, and as you level up and grow into your character and establish what you want to do there's several choices later on that really build your character and i I feel like the the starting character class is just your your footprint you know and then you're going to have hundreds more as you make those other choices and assign different different points cool uh so ty you had so we had the new players we you pulled in some of our old experienced players somewhat um was there anything you kind of did differently or just how you kind of created the group with that mix of players no, uh, not, not really. Nothing, no special formula. Um, I, I think as most campaigns, when I set up and run a new campaign, I, I approach it with very little in the way of expectations and framework because I like to see what, what the natural course of the group is. So the first few sessions might feel a little bit like you're not doing much. You're kind of feeling things out. And I try to give little seeds of things you can follow. But I like the... I like the characters and the group to drive the action. I don't want to, I never want to railroad. I, I never want to say I'm a conductor, get on the train and just take you somewhere. Um, 
So with a, a group of a mix of players, you hope one or two step forward and take that role of a leader. Um, otherwise, you can interject an NPC to say, oh, hey, maybe you should think about this or go there. So there's a, a little bit of that, but you let the group kind of, I keep saying organic. I feel like we could get a counter of how many times I say <laughs> organic tonight. <laughs> um, but have that have that control there you know i think the characters should always be the action the the engine that's driving the story and i'm just providing you know the the set dressing the furniture in the room whatever you want to call it that you guys interact with and and do things with yeah um i can say just from my perspective i took it as an opportunity to play a completely different class than i had ever kind of played and because i'm like oh i'm gonna do something new um, and also, which made me also very much a newbie from the like, how am I going to build this character? And, and, move and I'm having a, a blast with doing on that too. So that's the only thing I kind of I kind of did different as you uh, let me play in this game too. Um, so other thing, Ty, a little bit. Sorry, I'm, I'm banging on Ty here as we get this um, kind of set up here. Um, did you have any um, like talk anything about just kind of table rules or anything around? Um, Maybe not even say etiquette, but just yeah. like, hey, here's some general rules of the road. As as we say, it's kind of that social contract. Um, yeah, it, I think what what we really where I'm very lucky is the the group that we have in a couple of the different campaigns are just good people, mm-hmm. and I I'm selective in who I will play Dungeons and Dragons or any role playing game with, for that matter. In that, I look for people that are gonna a get along, b have fun with it and aren't aren't like gonna rules lawyer me for an hour about something if i make a decision because i i don't know the the rules mm-hmm. like 100 percent accurate i just um so i mean a, a lot of that i don't have to sit down and say okay don't attack other players don't you know do this don't do that it's the group of people i tend to play with are people that i trust and, and enjoy spending time with outside of the game mm-hmm. Or playing other games, um, you know, just in that space. So that that's a big part of it. I think if it was sitting down with a group that I put together from like a meetup or like, um, you know, somewhere else, I, I would have my kind of table rules like, okay, no Dragonborn, no, <laughs> no attacking other players until you're level four, you know, just to keep things inclusive and, and fun for everybody and define what are people's hard stops, you know, does, is there something that, um, if we, if by the nature of how the game gets there, is this going to, uh, is there anything that offends you or, or makes you really uncomfortable? Cause you also don't want that. But in our, in our group, we all know each other and there's that, you know, there's that understanding that everybody kind of gets along and is friends anyway, but in a group of strangers, I think I'd try to set that up more to just protect, you don't want somebody to walk away from your table having an awful experience because somebody says something or a, a topic or subject matter right. comes up that they're not they're not cool with. Yeah, and and in, I, again, our D and D game here, I don't know that there's many scenarios like who knows, right? I mean, we already had a player death. Uh, there's some things like that. Um, I don't know some of your other like your Dark Milwaukee game. I can imagine there may be some things there, some situations that where people have some boundaries, and do you want to make sure that? Again, everybody's having a, a inclusive and and fun. Maybe not always fun, and you know, <laughs> fun part, right? Enjoyable experience. You're getting experience out of it, and you're not hitting it. Mm-hmm. So great. 
All right, intern. So I don't know. We've been playing for a few months, right? At least. Yeah, I think we started like in the beginning of summer. We we had we were sporadic in the beginning, but we've been consistent lately. Yeah, and so we got a few levels under our belt. I think uh, fourth level, most of the crew is fourth level. So overall, kind of what are your what are your thoughts, uh, kind of so far on the campaign, and you know how is it kind of led up to your expectations or not? <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 been awesome, honestly. I'm not just trying to suck up because the DM is on the other side of the microphone, but um, <laughs> I I didn't really know what to expect. I luckily for Ty, when we started, I I hadn't watched Critical Role yet. I saved that for like until we were about two two or three months in. So my expectations were just completely what I thought the game would be, and and it's just been a blast. I've 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 done some stupid things, I think, and I remember the, the first the first night we sat down to play, I stole that mask from Sing, Lady Singrosa or whatever her name was, and if, if, if it was Paul or Josh, we were like, you know she's paying us, right? And kind of pushed the boundaries from day one, but I've, I've liked every minute of it. I think I, I'm, I'm learning as I go and trying to to spark more conversation in the game with with other characters because that's one of my favorite parts of it is is telling that story and building those relationships um so i'm i'm i mean you guys know but i ask every day basically if we're playing this week so i'm i'm having a blast (laughs) so in turn do you uh do you enjoy sessions that are more narrative driven or more combat focused or both i guess what um where do you where do you lie there um i i if i'm being honest i think more narrative driven is is what i enjoy just because i really do like that story i like i like figuring out what everyone has in mind with their character and and what path they're trying to head down and maybe i make up more of a story for their character than they have but (laughs) um it's 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 that kind of stuff i find fun combat's cool um i think combat would will get more fun as we get higher levels um i don't know maybe it won't um but i i would definitely say narrative is is what i prefer that's awesome um, so I, I know you have a love for your your hunter class, <laughs> but uh, if you had to re-roll a new character now, knowing more about the game, um, what would it be? Oh, hands down, a monk. Nice. I didn't, I didn't know. Like, so <laughs> I keep referencing Blizzard games, but I played Diablo, so I knew like you know monks in Diablo, and I was like, oh, that's okay. But just like from from watching critical role and reading i finally bought the handbooks and and some other books to kind of dive all the way in and the monk just seems like the coolest the coolest class now i'll interject real quick monks monks are incredibly cool in, in what they can do uh it's one of those classes that in the in the wrong hands can be a a, a dangerous weapon um <laughs> Because they they really can do things that very few classes can, um, but uh, and there, there's a couple classes like that. But you know, ultimately, I think D and D is a fairly balanced uh, system. But monk pushes that envelope a little bit. So duly noted, intern. Duly noted. <laughs> so 
<clears throat> do you think your relationship sh- relationships or lack thereof uh, with other players in our group uh, outside the game affect your decisions and actions inside the game? Um, I, I don't think they necessarily affect my actions, but I think it's, and I'm getting past it now, but it's hard sometimes to think of them, like when I'm interacting with Akachi, I think of you, Josh. I don't think of the character, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to remove that and think like Rattle's talking to Akachi and, and like dig into Akachi and not know that it's Josh behind the voice. So I think I think that's what's made it challenging and, and as we keep playing it's I think it's becoming easier to, to play to the characters and not the person. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Should I start doing an accent? Would that would that help? Yeah, that would help yeah. a lot. Right. That would help a lot. I'll work on it. What was it the other day, Ty? We said that you're gonna require everyone to use an accent. Yeah, every, everybody's <laughs> gonna have to use their own character voice. That's gonna be the the new rule. Uh, once you hit level five, you have to have a character voice. You know? Nice. <laughs> so, uh, this might be the hard question. So, is there any part of the you know D and D experience? that was unexpected or surprising once you kind of got into those first few games and, and months of playing? Um, I think I think it still is surprising, and this is going to sound kind of stupid to people who know D&D has been around for so long, but it's just like how deep the game is and, and how... I. I didn't realize there were... I don't, I don't know if this is even accurate, but like hundreds of campaigns and all this so much history in the game and i feel like like you kind of get lost in, in in the world and and not know really like the religion and the deities and things like that 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 some people can bring into the game and it's like it's almost overwhelming at times to, to try to i feel like i'm not doing my part in telling the story i guess that's kind of a roundabout answer to your question but just the <laughs> the depth of the game still blows my mind every day i'm like oh wow that's something too and there's there's more and more things that i'm seeing and learning and like i just want to play every day to keep (laughs) (laughs) and i that's that's a a very good point because in in a game that's as old as dungeons and dragons and the forgotten realms being one campaign setting amongst you know several that uh tsr and now wizards of the coast have released there's, I mean, the fiction, the amount of lore, the video game content. There's just, it's, it's huge, and it's, it's mind-numbing when you start to think about the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that have built their own narratives and uh, campaigns. I think of some of the stuff that I've written for other campaigns, like, um, and you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it, it's a, it, it's, it's funny you say that uh, about, you know. Um, new player not just learning these things wanting to play every day because as as the dungeon master it's similar i want i want you guys to see all these little easter eggs and all these little bits of the story knowing that in this module in tomb of annihilation there's probably 20 to 30 percent of the stuff in the the book that won't even get explored or, or noticed or tapped into and that's just the one module levels one to eleven that it it runs through because of that sandbox style and you're exploring and you may choose not to go somewhere. I've already given you guys a few leads that have been forgotten or not, you know, not chased down. So, I mean, 
yeah, it's it's it takes forever to get. I I feel like I've been I've been looking at this content and playing these games for man, 25 years uh, probably. When I think about the first time I cracked open a, a player's handbook in fifth grade or whatever it was, and like I feel like there's still so much out there I haven't touched. Uh, so it's it's yeah, you're right when I hear you say that. And there's still that feeling of swimming in this ocean of content and lore. Yeah, I won't tell you how long I've been. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm approaching like four decades. So, um, so I'm gonna kind of the last question here. I'm just kind of throw it out to the group, um, and it's more around kind of the the current culture of D and D. And actually, I think uh, Matt Mercer actually I saw something on Twitter where he responded to to somebody around these things and. It was more around the the pop culture of kind of the critical role. I think everybody's familiar with critical role. It's a bunch of the voice actors. They're on every Thursday kind of on YouTube or Twitch um, doing broadcasting their game live. And there's lots of games now that are now broadcast live. Um, and is, as people are seeing that as their D&D experience, and some people like that's their first D&D experience, um, or you see, yeah, people like, I want Joe Maganello, right? When you see these people who are professional kind of actors in, 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 in these situations, um, is that enhancing people's D&D experiences or is it setting an expectation that isn't being met at the tabletop and, and people are, you know, and they're not, they're not meeting the expectation. And so they're not getting what they think they saw in, on critical role or something else like that. I'll, I'll start this off because we talked about this the other day. I think Ty and I did, and I so I've watched way too much of that in the last month and a half. I, I'm much further than I'd like to admit in front of all the people listening. But um, I think I don't think it's set an expectation for me in any way other than as a player. So like, yeah, Ty doesn't have 85 different voices he can do in every session that we play that's that's the one thing that has on him um but as a player i feel like most of the story really comes from the player and the thing that that everyone loves in the story and the characters that the people love are just the players creating this character and and telling the story so if, if you're not getting what you see on those shows i think it's kind of up to you to make it happen you know yeah, and, and I know we we had that discussion, and um, one thing I keep thinking about too is any anyone that watches professional actors play a game and like lets it set the tone for them or ruin their experience. Maybe maybe a role playing game is not for you because it's it, it's a it's a sandbox and it is what you make of it. Um, for me as a dungeon master, I, I love watching Critical Role, Acquisitions Inc., the different live streams, because so much of DMing and running a game is improv and like on the fly that it's hard to prepare and have everything mapped out. So when you see these other, almost, let's call them what they are, professional dungeon masters do, mm-hmm. do the job, I try to find a, a little bit from this guy from Chris Perkins, a little bit from Jeremy Crawford, a little bit from Matt Mercer. And you, you pull these tools that they're showing you, um, together and, and try to borrow a little bit because like it's improv at the end of the day, you could have an adventure all mapped out, 
the moment one of your players says, I go that way. And you're like, wait, that's, I don't have a map for that. <laughs> it's, it's you're you know, you're making it up as you go. And they, they give you a paragraph for a NPC and you have to then create the history and how they interact and how they, how they feel about the players that they talk to and all these things that, that aren't there. So it's just, it's a ton of source material to help you build your own game and create that experience for, for your own players. Yeah. And it was funny when I got into critical role, when I heard about it, it was the angle I came at it and not that I don't like narrative, but what, what got me interested was I knew they were doing this high level Vecna when they were doing the big battles, these high level. And I was totally interested in like, how is Mercer going to, how do you handle this? You know, they were what teen level characters, these epic, combats and how do you handle all the combats and all this intricate these combats that went on for two or three hours and it was interesting again to see the toolkit like how is he handling it how is he how are the different characters interacting and and doing those the, the combat mechanics which are also a part of the tool set right mm-hmm. besides all the, all the narrative pieces so one one thing i would interject and this this is my chance to turn the tables on all three of you that are talking <laughs> with me um so veteran to, to new player and in, in between, um, what, what are the two things? So one thing that you, you really think that our game is providing for you as far as a strength, and then what is one thing that the game is, is yet to provide, or me as a dungeon master, like an opportunity for either your character or for an encounter, something you want to see, kind of that one I hate to go to that performance review, but one one strength <laughs> and one opportunity from each of you for the Dungeons and Dragons. It could be D&D in general. It could be your specific character, our specific campaign. Uh, either any one of you can can interject. So I'll, I'll just say for our group, and this isn't a, a knock against anybody or you or the, the campaign or anything, um, our group... Um, and, and it's getting better the last couple sessions, but uh, we were sort of lacking direction. Like, we needed that leader, and um, Tommy's character is sort of like, <laughs> you know, taking up that, that mantle, right? He's, um, which, which is sort of the... The last one that I would have thought would be his right? druid has a charisma of eight. Right, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> out of right, all out of all of us, I didn't think he would be the leader, but he's sort of taking on that role because he's so powerful in combat. So everybody's kind of rallying around him, um, and so yeah, and that sort of happened in the last maybe two or three episodes or two three sessions. I mean. You can um, call them episodes. They feel episodes, like episodes, sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, yeah. But other than that, like I, I'm in, I'm really enjoying uh, seeing the intern and seeing uh, Brendan and you know, like newer players um, really getting into it and kind of adding their own flair. You know, uh, Bre- Brendan's really into. Um, it's all about the skulls, get the still, yeah. <laughs> collecting all these skulls, and uh, I, I think that's hilarious, you know. And uh, the little quips between some of the the characters and things. It's it. I don't know. It's just great to see that interaction. So yeah, no, I'm 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 digging it. So I think I mean the strengths, and I'll maybe counter a little bit. Of, I think it might have been a little bit frustrating to early on, yeah, because you didn't have a, a kind of a leader emerge. 
you had a bunch of individuals well, kind to, of to be fair we didn't have a kember because if you remember yeah. other campaign kember the wizard was very yeah. very focused and yeah uh, <laughs> yeah but i felt like it was actually more narrative because you basically had this group of people like we kind of had the backstory we were just this group of very kind of ragtag, ragtag group. people yep. that just kind of all fell together sure. and then and even the narrative that was put out is like hey you're just doing this odd job and you guys want to go along yeah we'll all go along and so I think I, I don't want to use, see, I have organic stuck in my head too from, from time, <laughs> but to see the group kind of keep coming together and become a little more or, or organically organized, right? Um, <laughs> to get more and more, yeah. And now we're starting to get a little more focused, a little more, um, you know, experience. So I, it's been interesting to see that grow. I think that's been kind of cool. But early on, it was a little frustrating. Like, well, I don't know, we're just like a puddle of water going everywhere, right? Uh, <laughs> do that. And I think, um, and maybe what I want to see yet, but it's fun to see is some of the characters backstories are slowly coming out, which is kind of cool. And even on me, I think some of that, I mean, like I always like, you know what? I really kind of want to just like throw a little, we have like the discord thing. I'm like, I just want to like write a little paragraph about Nate's kind of background and just kind of pop it in there to have, give people a little, like try and understand some of his motivations for what he does, what he does sometimes. Um, but then I'm always like, or should that, but I think there, a little reveal is what makes it exciting. Like just having it all in my head mm-hmm. isn't as much fun as sharing the tidbits, right? And and having it kind of come out. All right. Yeah, that's one thing I think that I kind of echo that, but it's more a reflection on myself and kind of not really understanding in the beginning, like how much a backstory matters and maybe not matters, but like helps to tell your story. Is is I. I've started to come up with this backstory that I should have had all along, but I, I, I want to develop that more and, and share some of the little things about my past that make me do some of the silly things I do now. So I think, I think if I have to be reflective towards, towards you as a DM, I would say giving us the opportunity to, to, to like have those interactions a little bit more I, in the beginning <laughs> and when it was kind of frustrating without a leader we had our our perception checks at watch all the time where we could have had those conversations and never did but i think now that we're all <laughs> feeling more comfortable it might we might take advantage of those more some more campfire moments yeah yeah just just those little opportunities to to kind of have that but i i mean i have this this epic monologue in my head and it, it's it's from i think it was troy who forced us all to go to the bar after after the incident with the frost giant and and just repeating everything that merrick did it was like holy cow we've done we've done a lot of crazy stuff and this has been awesome and like we're level four and we barely were in combat but yet merrick's stories that we had were like man that's awesome so <laughs> Very cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to maybe circle back, you know, several months from now, see where the campaign's at, where the characters have gone, how the how the experiences of, of the group have have grown and, and shifted. Uh, but for now, we will um, close our player's handbook and uh, get back to the rest of the episode. So, thanks again, intern, for all of your work. Uh, you know, get on, back on to work, show. and uh, we'll expect episode <laughs> get that twenty. Coffee brewing. <laughs> yeah, get, get the coffee brewing. Get the show notes ready for episode twenty-nine. But uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. 
All right, welcome back. That was a lot of fun talking with the intern about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, something we often check in on, but um, this was a little more in depth, and that was that was a lot of fun for us to uh, cover another one of our passions. When I think of what we really enjoy here, it's a lot of miniature gaming, it's a little bit of board gaming, hobbying, and a lot of D and D and role playing games. So mm-hmm. that's some good discussion. But now it is time to circle back to one of my favorite things from last year, our uh, gaming and hobby goals for the year. So here we are in the beginning of January. There's a lot of people around the world. Uh, I think the world. New Year's resolutions aren't only an American thing. Maybe they are. I don't know. We'll have our intern do some research. Um, But people are setting resolutions, things they're going to stick to. There's a lot on Twitter about hobby resolutions and uh, what, what people want to accomplish this year. So we are going to go through our kind of three categories, our gaming goals, our hobby goals, and then kind of other more generic, general, um, either consumption or producing something or, uh, you know, kind of a combination of different factors. So uh, we talked about in our last episode our accomplishments and what we did. Some of us felt like we um, we kind of nailed it and there wasn't much more new ground to cover. Some of us thought... Maybe I should just recycle my goals because mm. I only hit one of them, and then <laughs> <laughs> others uh, end up somewhere in the middle. So, um, you know, let's start with our gaming goals. I think this is a fun category because uh, we get a little deeper than just play more, because um, that's always yeah. our goal is play more games in the you know the vein of Will Wheaton tabletop. But uh, Troy, how about you? What what are your gaming goals for 2019? This is a hard one because I, I, there's there's nothing that was like jumping out. Um, and like I I was telling you guys, part of it also I'm a little scared to commit. Maybe it's from I'm still shocked from last episode that how badly I did. So I'm like, oh, do I really want to do I really want to throw Set that the out bar there? lower? Set the bar low. <laughs> Um, and there's a, there was yeah, but so what I ended up with I in, is I. There's a couple games that kind of got into this year um, and don't want to see them kind of just fall by the wayside and try and focus on a little bit. So I um, want to try and play some more Kill Team, and I do have some of that lined up for Depticon, so that's at least going to be crush something there you to, go. Easy. To, to motivate me there. Dr. Gabe's Anvil at BOD yep. Extravaganza yep. Kill Team event. And I'm doing another event. I'm also doing With a oh, Kill wow. Team event there, too. So, wow. Um, so that'll really like focus me on that. Um, and then the other thing is uh, Blackstone Fortress, and that so it's a little bit of, of crossover too. Is I really want to kind of paint and and kind of play uh, the Blackstone Fortress a little bit more rather than just kind of it be like um, Warhammer Quest where it sits on my shelf and stares at me. Um, <laughs> be nice to, especially as we know they already I think just re- introduced a, a new expansion, expansion come out there. So yep. kind of a motivation to like put some focus around around that because um, I don't, I'm probably not i don't right now i don't see myself like focusing on like a competitive like do i really want to get into competitive 40k this year man probably not right um um, age of sigmar i'll probably play a little bit just because you guys are all playing right and we i'm already know i'm going to play at least one tournament so um but not too much more than that so i don't want to put that kind of stuff as goals but i think these are two kind of tangible things i it'll having them here it'll kind of focus on make sure that i'm continuing to at least spend some effort on those things they just don't sit and stare at me awesome cool i like it let's uh see that's attainable that's realistic we can measure your progress see you're doing smart goals without even without (laughs) even trying all right josh how about you gaming goals for this upcoming year yeah so this is this is a a recycled one 
However, in the spirit of play more games, I am really going to try hard to get a regular game night established. So I'm, I'm going to shoot for once a month um, and try to, you know, get different things on the table, whatever. If we do a kill team night or if we do board games or we do whatever, you know, just try to get some folks together and play. Um, we did that last week uh, with Dan. So that was cool. Uh, I may check that one off for January. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, uh, I'm going to shoot for once a month. Uh, if if we can, you know, every other every other week would be cool. Uh, but I know, you know, schedules don't always allow for that. So, um, but yeah, we're going to try to get something more regular going. I say yeah. schedule every other week and just mm-hmm. stick to stick to it. Don't worry if it's you and Troy or if it's seven people. It's a good or idea. maybe schedule or maybe just like we actually like try and schedule like out ahead like one whatever that day is a month sure and yeah. still like i agree like we get to get we tend to get together more but like really like put on yeah, a calendar like, like, like in Friday like right now already like in february we kind of throw out a date i don't know this yeah, is my yeah. like we try and figure out like okay now because there's always a lot of things right there's i don't know what's in february there's always all these different events valentine's day and stuff like that in valentine's my day birthday. and stuff like that um, so I know a lot of times we don't commit because we always kind of want to be day. flexible, but maybe we... Tommy's birthday. Right. Your he dad's just, birthday. My dad's birthday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Troy just gave us the head shake. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. We got it. My 2019 wife. goal accomplished. Boom. My wife's bowl. My wife's birthday, so... Oh, oh you, you didn't even say it. <laughs> All right. Happy birthday, Sherry. Yep. Regular game night established. Schedule we'll it. Yeah. Get it on the calendar. How about you, Tyson. I went around this for for a while. This has been something coming over the last couple of weeks where I've I've really I wasn't sure because last year was just a set number of games. I wanted to play fifty games of Age of Sigmar. Um, this year I honed it in on, you know, I play AOS and I I don't play competitively. Like I I play in tournaments and I do okay, but I wanna I wanna just hone my hone my steel a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so I set a goal for myself of, you know, the baseline is just win more. I want to win more games. Um, but to to put some measurable, you know, some actions, smart goals around yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no. So I thought about it from the standpoint of tournament finish, kind of yeah. average position. Looking at the five or six tournaments where I finished, you know, sometimes upper 25%, sometimes bottom 25%, just to find what my average was. Um and it, it's probably like the 50th to 60th percentile and then improve that. And part of that is not only, you know, I could still go two and three, but if my hobby points and sports yep. and, you know, different, different elements to it. So winning more will certainly help, but I want to look at what my baseline was in 18 and just have an improvement yep. in my average finish uh, for the, the 2019 tournament season. Cool. So, um, that does it for our gaming goals. Let's let's talk about hobby. We spend a fair bit of time um, with the tools of the trade and you know, super glue and paints and uh, whatnot. So I'll I'll start off. Um, my first one is incredibly subjective for a hobby goal, but I want to see a, an improvement in my painting standard. So um, you know I I think I do okay when I look at my armies and I look at them from three feet away. But I just, I want to find a few skill sets, so be it blending, be it my shading, whatever it might be, uh, edge highlight, different things, you know, different skills to put in my toolbox. 
and see a, an overall improvement in my my standard. And, and part of that is going to be um, kind of the hobby journal that I talked a little bit about, you know, just the time. Because I'm of the school of thought that miniature painting is not, you're not born with it. It's a, it's a skill you develop over time. The more time you work at it, the better you get. So I think that'll be a big part of it. But, you know, I'd like to see hit max paint points, maybe get an army nomination for like coolest army or player's choice. It's one of the events I go to. So um, go big or go home this year. That's kind of the, uh, the hobby goal for myself is just make sure I see an improvement. Cool. I think you're on the way. We've, we've mm-hmm. seen some of your stuff in progress. I think <laughs> you're on that, on the right path. How about you, Troy? What, uh, uh, so I got a, uh, a couple as I went through because there's stuff I really wanted to get after. Um, first one is the Adeptus Titanicus. Again, trying to force myself to not like half do something and let it sit around is get the Adeptus Titanicus force kind of all painted, put together, probably about 1,500 points worth or whatever. Um, kind of having Dan as somebody I can play against and helping him practice for, I think he's got an Adepticon event. That'll help kind of force my hand there uh, to do that. And I think it'll just be cool to to have a, a force put together so so that's one thing there um the other one again a little bit of a recycle from last year is i want to kind of refresh one of my 40k 2000 point armies either probably the necrons or or maybe the ultramarines and kind of whether i kind of bring in primaris and whatever the odds are maybe the necrons might end up be the one that gets done but really kind of refresh one of those because last year i was trying to get like a second uh, 2000 point army together uh, that really didn't happen but I think this year um, that's definitely going to be uh, one of the goals that I'll I'll move to her at some point cool uh, Josh what about you what what's your hobby goal or goals uh, so one of one of my goals last year was to get a piece of terrain done and I did the tower and I did some you know minor little other things um, this year I'm, I'm setting it at five pieces of terrain, whether that be AOS or 40k or some sort of wargaming terrain. Um, I have uh, five or six different ideas in my head and things that are in progress. Um, so it's really just you know going through the, getting that done right um, and following through on on those types of things. So. Um, I don't know why uh, terrain is always fun for me to, to, to do like setting that. I don't know. It's just a, an area of wargaming that I, I like to do. So um, yeah, I, I want to make that a goal for myself to actually follow through on those ideas and, and do them. So yeah, I think trains trains a nice spot. Cause it, it, you don't have to be as precise with like, you know, painting a unit of five guys mm-hmm. and it can, it can also help to just get the hobby kind of momentum going mm-hmm. um, because it's a, you know, it's from implementing your vision, getting something done and then creating that story on the table with it. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, so I'll, I had one more hobby goal and in addition to just improving my standard, I want to set a, a number of, um, you know, last year I dabbled with models. How many models can I paint? But I, I structured it in a way where I want to paint 5,000 points um, between different armies. And, and then I got to thinking about that, though. And if, if everything goes well, by the time we get to Adepticon, I'll have painted 4,000 points already. So I, <laughs> I didn't really think I should stick with that. And at Hobby Night yesterday, sitting at Brennan's house, we were spitballing some ideas. And he said, what if you just say paint all of your 
one of your factions that you have. So I said, wow, that's, you know, Stormcast will mostly get there. But I thought about my death uh, stuff. So I've got Nagash, I've got two black coaches, I've got a third Morngul. So there's like a number of these projects. So I think what I'm going to say is to paint the death stuff that I have um, to completion by year end. So once I get through Adepticon, I can switch gears and just here and there, you know, paint up zombie dragons, paint up Nagash, different things for my death faction so by year end i have somewhere around ten thousand points of death painted and ready to roll <laughs> but we'll see so that's my stretch goal cool any others for you troy um just <laughs> more 3d printing i think that's gonna be i don't know if that's a goal like me- that's measurable be, so print one more thing print one more <laughs> measurable so i don't um just fire it off and then start uh, refreshing I, one of your armies <laughs> I think what'll be interesting, and maybe that is, you know, will I, because I, I think it'd be interesting, like, do I dabble where I start to do a little bit more original, like create yeah. something or modify something that, mm-hmm. um, and then make it. So maybe that'll be it. Like I've done some kind of more than just a combat dial or combat uh, <laughs> that we did there, but you know, some kind of model or terrain piece that's, um, you know, mostly my creation or something where I've, you know, significantly kind of modified something that's already out there. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good one. That's a good one to throw out there because I think that's something I, I'm interested in, want to kind of explore and learn. I like so. that. I'll look forward to the uh, the 3D printing journey. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to kind of our more uh, ephemeral category, the, the other goals. So this is uh, just kind of general things that we want to focus on. Obviously, we we all have our own goals, you know, from a financial, a health, a you know, family standpoint. But we want to keep this somewhat focused on our podcast and the the hobby and gaming in general. So, um, I'll 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 start for this one. I want to write a mini campaign, you know, three or four uh, adventures and tie them together uh, for Outbreak Undead. So that's that's one thing I want to get played um this year and i think it'll be possible to at least get a couple sessions in with uh, the right size group and then also i want to run a deadlands game so i've been super immersed into the weird west and some novels i'm reading now looking through my savage worlds uh deadlands reloaded book um and i just i want to run a one-shot deadlands game make some pre-gen characters and just have fun in the the weird west one night Cool. Yeah, I never got into Deadlands, but it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, f- I felt a little ashamed after the last episode that I don't read at all. So I'm setting a goal for myself to read five books this year. I know that's not a lot. You guys are reading 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. I'm going to read five. That's my goal. I think I can do it. Every- I have I have like two already like in my in my mind that I want to read. So, do you have Audible? I do. Well, I I need to re up it. So that's mm-hmm. that that is something I might. Um, yeah, like car rides and yep. working and whatever. Yeah, I might hobby in if you're not talking to somebody. It's super easy just to put on an audio book out an hour or something. Yeah, maybe you need to commute. I, I do need to commute now. <laughs> I should just drive around right. my block for an hour. Right. Yeah. Have to or an office to drown out other people near yeah. you. Yeah. Yep, right. 
put the kids on the bus and then yeah then drive around the neighborhood <laughs> like i gotta get my book in pick up a paper yeah. route and yeah. then that can be your your morning commute yeah so yep five cool. books this year no i'm i'm very excited um i will take suggestions too if you have anything uh you think i might like cool Absolutely. maybe we'll do a book club we'll all read the same book Ooh. That would be fun, actually. So, but where are we going to get all the wine, though? <laughs> hey, yo. We're here all week. Well, one of one of our listeners did tweet at us, and nobody replied about how uh, how someone can sponsor the hydration mm-hmm. portion of the show. Oh, so yes. yeah, um, we'll have to. <laughs> I missed that. Maybe we could have a wine night. I saw it, but I figured somebody. I live with that person, so right, I was going right. to let somebody. Yeah, I, I didn't know that I had to respond yeah. on Twitter. I felt that there could have been a yeah in person yeah. response mm-hmm. to that. So. <laughs> so, all right, Troy, how about you? What is uh, what is your kind of um, ultimate goal for twenty nineteen? So one goal is kind of just uh, a little bit like less Kickstarter. I won't say no Kickstarter because that's not real. Um, <laughs> And as you guys will tell, like it, it, even if I would not buy any more, I would have plenty of material to stuff talk about. Stuff still be coming yeah, in. All yeah. through 2019, we'll be talking about stuff coming in. All right, so so let's, do you want to set a number? Do you want to say less than 10 projects? Yeah, how many pledges? Oh, um, <coughs> less than it. one per month? Let's like, try, let's say six. Let's try six, six. which is only like one okay. every other month. Six and is. under. Six and under. Okay. And new ones for for 2019 sorry to i'm being the guy to pin you to the wall and making no i think that's a good this is this is good this is good yeah because i think we need to put a number on less because that makes it real and then uh another piece of that is kind of just a little bit of purging i mean you guys have been in the basement of death like the the wall of shame as we call it of (laughs) models that are still in boxes and kind of projects in in stuff and old game other game systems that we haven't uh touched in you know maybe going on a decade now or something um so i'm just trying to can kind of just clean some make room for new stuff and get rid of some of the old and do a little bit of purging and kind of focus because i think this year i found i was just i had it was hard to focus there's so much so much stuff and kind of the gaming add and a lot of that is just so much stuff so trying to kind of I'll still have a lot of stuff, but kind of bring it down and just pare down, pare it down bit, a little yeah. bit and create, and also just from a space. Like I'm like, I don't need to store all this sure. crazy stuff for call the collection a little. Yeah, yep. so I'm like kind it. of a doing some kind of a, a purge here. All right, wonderful. Well, there you have it. Our 2019 goals. Uh, we'll somewhere in the summer we'll check in, see our mid year check in, and then uh, hopefully next year all of us will say yeah. Knocked it all out, accomplished everything. We're mm-hmm. world beaters. Yeah. So we all want to be like Ty last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, this this year, I feel like I'm gonna be the one that falls <laughs> falls a little short. <laughs> Set some uh, pretty lofty lofty goals here. So can we do? And I we talked about a little bit as a podcast. We kind of talked about having a goal, maybe of trying to do some kind of, of give back, some kind of charity, some kind of. Um, like that so mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll say it on the mics here to make it yeah. kind of uh, we don't know exactly maybe what that'll be or what to what extent um but i think it would be just something to, and i know we talked about extra life that's something that feels like it always sneaks up on us and so maybe if we kind of get out there at least get ahead of it we make one of, you know one of our big game days ends up being an extra life event and we're able to at least mm-hmm. um, put something you know whether it's a couple cool. hundred bucks or something else but raise some raise some money yeah. for, for a good cause and um i know there are plenty of 
charities that we contribute to and individuals as we go to all the different events. And I think it would be, it'd be cool to do that. So um, I think that'll be our, our common goal across the, as the Plain and Slam podcast. We'll see what we do. I like, I like it. it. I'm mm-hmm. on board. Let's do it. All right. Our goal for finishing up this episode is to come back with a play it or slay it review of Heroes of Blackreach, which uh, we will do shortly. So hang in there. Thank you. And we'll be right back with play it or slay it review of Heroes of Blackreach. Welcome back to the studio. Here we are with the Heroes of Blackreach spread out in front of us. Our uh, friend Troy is going to give us a rundown of the the game. So um, what I'll interject before I hand it over, though, Blackreach was one of the 40K starter boxes Mm. uh, a few editions back. I'm not sure if that was fourth or fifth. Um, was it the fifth one? With, oh, no, I bet you it was before that. Yeah, I bet you it was like fourth. Yeah. There was like a Dreadnought, um, yeah. some Orc Boys, a couple Tactical Marines. It was yeah. a decent starter yeah. set, mm-hmm. except for the fact it was Ultramarines. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to let that color my uh, Play It or Slay It blue. Um, I will hand it off now with no further uh, criticism or commentary <laughs> for Troy to uh, take us home. Play it or slay it. Heroes of Blackreach. So Heroes of Blackreach. So this is the kind of reskin game licensed that was Heroes of Normandy, uh, which came out quite a few uh, quite a few years ago. Let's see if I can get it right. Uh, Devil Pig Games, I think, over in the UK is the uh, the, the publisher, and I think uh, Aiello Games is distributing in the US. Which is why it took. I think this game came out in UK like earlier this year, and then just finally um, this fall ended up being distributed back in, in the US. Uh, runs about sixty bucks, um, not uh, so not cheap. Like so a lot of times we're looking at small games and we hit the segment. This is uh, definitely a full blown game. A ton of cardboard. Um, it weighs a ton. Uh, everything is uh, so. It's a board game. Um, and even though it's orcs and ultramarines, like we're used to 40k miniatures, it's all everything's um, you know full color cardboard, um, whatever counters that represent all the different things, whether it's units, uh, vehicles, weapons, all this thing. Everything's cardboard. So this whole the, the, my, this box that weighs about two pounds is all cardboard. So um, you have the the full color board. Uh, I think there's like four of them in there, so you can basically get a huge kind of play area. Uh, it has each of the boards uh, again, pretty cool. I don't know, you guys can tell me that. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty cool in terms of different terrain elements. All the terrain elements in there actually have. Um, there's bunkers and things like that that do um, make a difference in the gameplay. They can give you cover and different things there. Uh, each of the counters you have will kind of have a combat value, defense value, movement value. Um, and then special abilities, like each kind of unit, again, representing all the different things you'd expect from uh, orcs versus ultramarines, tactical marines, devastators. Um, there's everything in there. Um, when you build your forces as you go through it, as I'm showing you guys, unfortunately, it's not great uh, podcast. There's what these recruitment tiles. And basically, they're a set of tiles that interlock together to build your forces. And then you can add little upgrades, actually other counters that go into the inserts of these to kind of build up your force that you're going to deploy on the table and reinforce during the game. So there's so. little notches on the sides of each of the, the things. And then uh, on the inside of the uh, 
the larger chit itself, there's spaces to put little inserts for for the upgrades. Yep. Uh, and there's, again, your upgrades and I'm trying to think what I'm sorry, I'm making noise uh, with my paper. Uh, upgrades and oh, keeps track of your army over there. Um, so in the, then the game turn is basically what you'd expect, right? Each of the units, uh, you give orders. There is an order phase, which is a little different. And as you can see the counters over here, like you get, depending on the size of your force, you'll get whatever, two to five kind of order counters, um, which are usually less than maybe the total number of, are, of are units. Are those randomly have. drawn, like from a pool, or do no. you assign them? You assign okay. them. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of that, that order phase is kind of the interesting part of. Now, again, you may not, you may have many more forces on the board than actual orders. Mm -hmm. So part of your thing is like, who am I going to activate? Well, what it is secret is they're numbered in like one through whatever. So your opponent can see what who has orders, but he can't see the order that you're going to activate in. Um, and so there's a little bit, there's some some tactics and decision making in that. Um, so then once you kind of place your orders, then you alternate back and forth, you kind of movement phase, firing actions, what you'd expect. And then again, all the stuff's written on the, the counters to, um, to take care of damage. And you can like some of the things you flip over when they get injured, you flip them over and they have different stats. Um, there's a lot of kind of special things and tokens around ammunition, missiles, um, things like that. And then you also have um, another one on there, I'm trying to think what they call it, is these action cards. You also end up getting a few action cards, again, depending on the force or whatever. And those are kind of like the special, super special abilities or different things to modify different combats. They're kind of all kinds of different things that can affect. So another kind of tactic um, that can make is, a difference. Is combat just a compare attack strength to defense? Resolve uh, damage. Yeah, and there's a die roll. I think there's a there's okay. dice in there too. So a little bit of randomness, but okay. things like bunkers and it, you can have a pretty good idea of what your probability is. You know, like okay, if we get this, I'm you know, I'm gonna hit on a two or whatever. You can make things. There's some things where it's gonna be truly yeah, you know, fifty fifty shot. Um, but there can be either I have uh, you know pluses or minuses uh, on my um, special abilities, or I take care of different terrain options that can make it you know yes yes i'm really protected it's gonna be really hard to pull these guys out of here or oh no this guy's gonna be a pretty easy you know unless i roll a one i'm gonna gonna take him out so um so that's kind of the mechanics there's a lot of then the other piece of that is there's a whole book of scenarios because uh, a lot of the strength of the game is kind of you know the difference it's not just kind of kill each other it's really usually get to different objectives or move you know how do i you know, accomplish different things rather than just straight up combat. And combat's just a way, a means to a way of, of accomplishing that. Okay. And that's always what I've heard. Again, I haven't played a whole lot. Is one of the strengths of the of the kind of scenarios, and you really get some cool interactions and some actual maybe narrative kind of things going on about trying to accomplish some of these scenarios. So I have I have a few questions for you that are going to perhaps uh, shift where I am. One: How long is a game supposed to take to play? Do we know? Is it? Do, do they say like an hour, two hours? I, I believe it's like the hour ninety minutes kind of thing. Okay, we can we can double check that. Well, we can fact check that yep. later. But okay, we'll say an hour and a half, ninety minutes for a scenario. Um, yeah, and again at all different kind of scenarios because there definitely is like the one I've only played it like once. The demo scenario is probably like a you know thirty minute game at the most. Um, you know, so and then you can basically scale it. Like I said, there's like four different. If you're playing that four boards full thing, then you're probably looking at the you know the 90 minute 
90 minute game. Um, but I would expect most of it's probably in that, you know, 30 to 60 kind of. Are there other factions than the orcs and the ultramarines? Not the at box? this point. No. Okay. Yeah. And even the expansions that are out just give you more orc and marine units. Okay. So. Ultra marine units. Yeah. The only, <laughs> okay. it's the only ones. Okay. Right? Um, have they, have they hinted at adding any other ones? Not that I've seen. Okay. Third question. Why would someone play this instead of just playing 40K? Good question. I think it's... The, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is a little... Now, what's interesting is there there is a significant amount of depth in some setup okay. here, but it's not a miniature game. Again, sure. I can bring it over. More um, accessible. There's more, a little bit more accessible for, right. uh, yep. for this show. And if you're not a miniature gamer, I could see that. Now, again, I'm in the same boat. Like, if I'm going to do all this, why don't I just play with so, some miniatures? Um, so, what I thought of when you first kind of took yeah. it out and were showing was uh, I remembered our time playing uh, Memoir 44. That was one of the first mm -hmm. like games that me and you played mm -hmm. back when it was non miniature gaming. Yep. Because it was just two of us, so we played Memoir 44. And the you drew your three cards, which was the random order yeah. assignment that made me think of the orders and why yeah. I asked the question. Um, I haven't played Heroes of Normandy, but I've heard it's it's in some ways similar to Memoir 44 um, with a little more depth. Like a little more, yeah, I would yeah. call it a little more depth than like a Memoir 44, that whatever they call that colors system that, yeah. Yeah, that Days of Wonder had. Yep. Okay. Um, and then... When you're talking about the scenarios, are they they linked like telling the story of the the battles of Blackreach? So if you're I familiar with the forty, so I believe there's they... a little bit of a campaignish type mode, okay. like they have kind of a link scenarios. So don't hold me to that completely, but I, I think that yeah, that there is kind of a a scenario story arc. All right. Any thoughts, Josh? That questions, concerns, comments. So, from a um, Warhammer 40k standpoint, um, are the Ultramarines less units and more beefy, and the Orcs, you know, more of a horde and many more of them, or are they more balanced? Or uh, I think they end up being more balanced. What's kind of cool is it really is like every unit, especially when you get the expansions, like every unit that you can think of that you'd expect in a 40k army you'll find a counter or some version of it in here and the same with the orcs that's cool um you know whether it's you know i don't know all of them like storm boy kind of things and ludas ludas and all that they're all there uh and that's it's kind of that re whatever they call it the uh reinforcement or the recruitment tiles is really that kind of the way that you build up mm -hmm. uh whatever your forces are um, but i would say they're probably more similar and not like you have more of an elite versus horde. They tend, it feels like they're just kind of more, you know, more similar um, stat size, wise. That stat wise, and sure. kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, yeah, my, my initial thoughts on like appearance, it looks really nice. The the tokens, the cardboard tokens are really durable yeah. and thick. So I'm, I'm not worried about it not holding up. Sometimes when you have a game that's all done with cardboard yeah. or tokens, and they're flimsy or they're, you know, this component qualities is, is nice. The art is, is well done for the most part. Um, the other thing I was kind of interested in is if it was recycled and it looks like it's all new, it's kind mm -hmm. of like a comic book yeah. style 40 K art, which is, which is unique. 
and the the board looks nice too with the um the terrain features um the dice had me there there's ultramarine symbols all over them uh, uh there's a bag with the orcs okay the i didn't okay. Sure I gave you that. I, didn't I was like wow out. they're they're really telling you who should win <laughs> no that's the bag for the orcs oh, okay. there's a bag that have all okay. the counters with the or the um I, any final thoughts or things we should take into consideration, Troy? Um, there, like I said, there are two expansions out, and they're really just more cardboard <laughs> to put out. And uh, and I, I actually got those two. I don't know why, but I did. Um, <laughs> to that, you're um, a completionist. Yep. You you want your expansions? You want to deck out your game? I already saw you had your Plano case. The things sorted and organized and ready to go yeah because i again because everything is cardboard i was trying to figure <laughs> out like either i throw this all in like four thousand little baggies or just in a big pile or i just grabbed one of my plano and found something that would work all right well um josh i'm gonna put i'm gonna put it to you play it or slay it <clears throat> well uh, I think if you didn't have a 40k army, the barrier to entry for this type of game is is less. So, uh, or the, you know, this game is less barrier to entry to play a 40k style type game, right? So, in, in that respect, I would say I would play it if I didn't have a 40k army. I have a couple 40k armies. I'm going to say slay it because I would just rather play 40k. Uh, I feel like they're similar enough, maybe. Um, and, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I don't know. I think I'd rather push models around than push cardboard around. It's where, where I kind of fall. So slay it. All right. right. Troy? Where I am? All right. Uh, tough one. Um, I'm a little bit where Josh is. As uh, again, I played it. I did play it once, but that's not saying I'm going to play it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to get a feel for it, uh, I'm kind of in the boat of when am I going to? I think it's a gorgeous game. Solid, solid rules. Um, you know, really interesting in terms of the the mechanics and some kind of the strategy. But I'm all about, I don't know when I would play this. Um, because if I'm, again, as a two-player game, if I'm going to want to do something like this, I'm pro- as a miniature gamer, I'm probably going to pull out something else with miniatures. Um, 40K, Kill Team. For Kill Team, right. And now you have Kill Necromunda. Team in the same space. Yep. Um, so I'm actually going to probably say Slay It. It may sit on my shelf for a while because it is 40K. It is kind of cool. I'm going to have a hard time probably like getting rid of it because it feels like um but i don't know yeah i i don't know when i'm gonna play it so i am gonna slay it i'm surprised that that's shocking to me i need to let that settle in for me (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it i love board games i really do um it's a struggle for me when i see something skinned with Warhammer 40k it has to be a really good game because otherwise I fall into that I want to play 
Age of Sigmar or 40K or Kill Team, you know, one of mm-hmm. the miniature game ver- versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one looks really nice. I've heard a lot about Heroes of Normandy being a really fun, mm-hmm. like, uh, board game. Um, I, I don't think I would ever buy this, but I think if I was at a con and I had two hours to fill mm-hmm. and there was, like, a an, an event going mm-hmm. on just to sit down and play or, like, um, you know, I go to one of the board games with beverages nights and you know it's an option i would give it a shot i wouldn't dismiss it so i I guess maybe it's like a it's kind of a play it but i wouldn't go out of my way i'd i'd i want to play it once just to see what it is um but i don't think it would ever get into it's not going to get into like my rotation or i'm not going to say let's use this time to play heroes of black reach Maybe if there's a Blood Angel version someday, or Dark Angel, or Grey Knights, or anything except for Ultramarines. Um, then it's not going to be called Black Reach. It's going to be called uh, Heroes of Ball or yeah, something. Yeah, Devastation of yeah, Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Heroes of the Devastation yeah. of Ball. Yeah, I think it's it's like one of these super situational games. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's, unfortunately for us, right, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't hit a, a spot where... Um, where it's really going to jump out, or we're either going to play it, yeah. But I, I'm again, I'm saying slay it. But like you said, if there was some situation which I can, like all the stars align, right? right. <laughs> um, I definitely would play it. Like it's a good game. We know it's a good game, and it looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's just not in our kind I, of our. I think I think it falls in it. Like if I do a, a one to ten scale of a game, this probably ends up like a six and a half. Where it's like, am I going to change my plans to ever play this? No. But am I gonna hate it and despise it like I did Keyforge? Probably not. Like I'll, I'll have some enjoyment out of it. Um, but yeah, all right. Heroes of Blackreach um, available at your friendly local game store, um, and check it out. Forty K board game with cool cardboard tokens. Really nice art. Component values is high, but uh, play it or slay it. Here's Blackreach. That's a slay it from the uh, two thirds majority. With a wavering, I'm almost <laughs> abstaining. But, all right. Well, that will bring the uh, show to a close. Um, had a excellent time chatting with the intern. Um, had a lot of fun setting our goals for the coming year. Uh, from here on out, a few things coming up in this first quarter of the year, first half of the year, really, where we will try to accomplish some of our gaming goals in some way or another. Uh, Wapaka, right around the corner here up in Wapaka, Wisconsin. It's a two-day Age of Sigmar tournament, January 25th to the 27th. Registration is closed, um, but uh, that tournament is right around the corner. Then Holy Wars 5, February 22nd to the 24th, uh, put on by the incomparable uh, Steve Herner um, down in Yorkville, Illinois. Um, A two-day narrative Age of Sigmar event. Um, singles narrative event so Holy Havoc in the fall is the the doubles this is his singles tournament myself and the intern will be there Um, and then the big one Adepticon March 27th to the 31st so we will will do our usual fully dedicated Adepticon uh, episode uh, either late February early March at some point where we will talk all about that show and what events we're getting into and what's going on um, but that is at the uh, the sprawling Renaissance um, mm-hmm. Schaumburg Convention Center and Hotel in Schaumburg, Illinois, March 27th to the 31st. And then it'll be here before we know it, uh, the weekend after my wedding, Bruce City Brawl 2019. 
Um, the second tournament, sponsored by uh, guys from Milwaukee, Brendan Melnick, tournament organizer. We're currently full. There's a wait list, but check out the Facebook group. Hit up uh, Hobby Bear or Guys Milwaukee on Twitter, and uh, we will be there, uh, all three of us. So very excited about that. Gen Con badges are on sale. So uh, if you're interested in going to Gen Con... Are they? Or is that the 13th? This, this, this weekend, they'll be out there. When this episode oh, is you're out. Right, you're when right, this episode's you're right, out, you're right. get There's your badge. There's a time warp. There's and a time warp. I left this out of the goal segment, but I jokingly said I had a, a hidden goal for you guys. Um, my goal is to not buy a badge for Gen Con. Uh, so... There will be one extra badge out there for all of you that are worried about the sellout <laughs> happening again uh, for, sneak in. for Gen Con. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Feel free and strongly encourage you to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, those reviews and, and those ratings only help us reach a larger audience, which we're always trying to get more people to spread our hobby cheer and gaming cheer to. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We have a plan and slaying page there where we promise to put up some photographs of our hobby progress and other things we're doing game nights, whatever else. Um, Twitter at plan slaying show the website where we post every episode, uh, with show notes that is basementofdeath.com. All of our emails at basementofdeath.com, including intern at basementofdeath.com. So let them know what you thought about his, uh, his debut on the microphone. And if you have anything you want to uh, get his opinion on about Dungeons and Dragons or World of Warcraft, uh, Age of Sigmar, hit him up. Um, all right. Well, thank or, you. Or guys. the Hunter class. <laughs> the Hunter class. We didn't ask him if he's a Beastmaster or a <laughs> Survival. I forget what the third original yeah. archetype. All Mark, right. Marksman. Marksman. With that being said. Keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. Tonight on episode 28, we are going to talk about things and stuff. What kind of things? Gaming things. What kind of stuff? Hobby stuff. That sounds good. It does. We should, we should do it. Should be a good show. <laughs> if we'd ever start it. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Starting's for losers. Yeah. If you never start, you can never lose. December's over. I know. It's sad, though. There's no calendar this year. I looked. I didn't see anything. Yeah, I, I thought think I was they did one. Yeah, I don't think they did one. <clears throat> Probably because they didn't sell that one, because they had like $4 Because that was the one they give away at Depticon, mm-hmm. right? So, which means they had... There's four, probably four still billion. cases in the warehouse somewhere that went to China or somewhere. I have a goal I didn't put on the goals that I want to surprise you guys with tonight. Mm-hmm. Is it about a calendar? Mm-mm. 
Are you going to make me yawn? <laughs> the year of Ty. You know, you'd be like on the beach. Splayed out. I don't out. even know if I want to go. Yeah. The VOD calendar. Yeah. With your glasses in a library. You know, a couple buttons unbuttoned. Live from the VOD <laughs> studio here in Fox River West Studios. It is playing and slaying. Episode 28. After Dark. Trying to do the unenthusiastic intro. See if you people hang in there and actually listen to the whole show or tune out right now. 